Um, we have been walking through this structure a little bit, not this structure, but you get saved, you get born again, and then if you want to maybe push the doors shut, that'd be great. Um, so then you get a charisma gift, one of seven charisma gifts, and um, that and we we had the circle and there's this arc and you're you're somewhere in this arc and and that's your motivation it's the lens you see life through i don't need to explain all that again because we're moving to a totally different thing this morning then that gifting then jesus comes along and says i'm going to use that gifting in a ministry and if you start small and are faithful i'll i'll give you much if you're faithful in money i'll give you spiritual authority and, and on and on so Jesus, the, the boss, the president of the company called The Church, the head uh, and the brain, uh, does that. And Paul says, then the Father sees what you're doing, and if you're, if you're living according to the purposes of God, he causes all things to work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. What is called according to his purpose? Using your charisma in the ministry Jesus gave you is the best definition I know of being called according to his purpose. Lots of mistakes, huge knucklehead factor built in. I think there's like a 1.75 safety factor in all of our lives, you know, or maybe it's a three, oh, I don't know. And then the things that we have called gifts for so many years, but are never called gifts in scripture specifically, how that happened is beyond me except once we all committed to it, no one wanted except for me to say that's not right. So anyway, they're always called phanerosis, clearly visible works of the spirit. And there's nine of them and any of those nine are available for use when faith meets need, any of the nine at all. Okay, so uh, because we didn't see them Part of the church thought they passed away, and the other end of the church thought you have to speak in tongues when you come out of the baptismal or you're in big trouble, right? So, so there's like opposite feelings, opposite thoughts about that. So then you go on with your spiritual life, and so that's, that's where we are. Now, um, <clears throat> we're, we're going to do something totally different. Let me see it. Eight, oh, four, eight, twelve, thirteen. Okay, that'll make... I need two more. Oh, perfect. A hundred, I need a hundred, no, no, no. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna step aside now in this structure. And last week we talked about Ephesians 4 and we talked about kind of how the body is structured, how Paul laid out how the body is structured. Didn't quite get through that. There was a, there are five things and we got through three and a half maybe. And I thought, I'm not gonna talk this week except right at the beginning and you guys are gonna talk. So get ready. So if you're hired to be on the personal staff of a very important corporate or church leader, what would be important to you? Because the reality is, is we are hired in the church to be intimate with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in life. We are his servants, okay? And it, it occurred to me that there are two things that would be important. One is what's important to them ought to be important to me. 
um, and what is my assignment for them, right? So what is important? So if I'm a Christian, Jesus, you're the head. What is important to you? And what is my assignment in the body? Those two things. Because the first one is how I go about my life. Um, we talked last week that Jesus was way more concerned about who you are than what you do. We're all concerned about what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What's my, what's my job? And Jesus is like, in all of his talking, it's, I'm concerned about you and your character. If you and your character is right, the job is going to take care of itself. If you and your character is wrong, there's no way you're ever going to do this job without Satan snagging you in some kind of a way. Um, so today we're going to do something dangerous. Um, and that is Jesus used parables and parables open doors to deep truth. And Jeannie Boshears, you cannot cheat today. Okay, just saying. Okay, so just, just I don't see any other Freedom Prayer people here. Um, so they open the door. Um, parables have many layers of meaning. You can read it three years later and go, oh, I never saw that. You know, so it's, it's kind of that sort of thing. Jesus taught in parables and sometimes he explained them, but maybe just once, maybe twice. I, but he explained this one. Remember the, the sower and the seed? Okay, so it says, sower goes out, sows seed, and the seed falls different places. And the Pharisees are going, well, what's he talking about? You know, what's, and finally they leave and then the disciples said, what actually were you talking about? And Jesus goes, okay, I'm going to explain to you the parable of the sower. And in this parable, there's four kinds of people who hear the word and only the fourth kind is going to be effective in the kingdom. The other three, and, and here, are the, here are the things that pull, that, that, here are the internal issues of the other three that will keep them from being effective in the kingdom. <coughs> and the, the word will never really take root in them and he doesn't say, if you're one of those other three, you can't change. Maybe his point is, if you're, if you're concerned about other things, here's the word, anxiety, deceitfulness of wealth. If, that, if you look at that and you go, you know, there's some of that in me. And so you can use then that interpretation to begin to change your life. Okay, Jesus actually told another parable that has four parts that he never interprets. And this is it. Luke 15, and if you, have a, if you have scripture, we're gonna maybe go there a little bit. You may need it a little bit later, so just get your Bible app out. But in Luke 15, um, it says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to complain saying, this man receives sinners like there's any other kind but you know this man receives sinners and and it says and and i love this in verse three it says and so he told them this parable okay so remember the first parable of the sower of the seeds that was jesus explanation as to how people come into the kingdom Right? They hear the word, the word takes root in them, and, and we would say born again. Okay? 
So he is telling them a different, par a different set of parables now. It says he told them this, and it's singular, one parable, but in four parts. And if you read through Luke 15, and I think it would be familiar to, to most all of us, um, it's like the sower of the seed, but these parables are probably not about getting saved. These parables are about getting healed, being, being someone who's a follower of Jesus and has got issues going on. And so Jesus was ministering to people who were, who were, who were following him. They had issues. Jesus was dealing with those issues. And the scribes and Pharisees <clears throat> were upset with Jesus dealing with these issues because they thought, why is he hanging out with sinners, right? And so, and says, and so Jesus tells them this four-part parable. So when you think about the sower and the seed, that was Jesus' answer to the scribes and Pharisees being upset that he was calling sinners to himself to get saved. These parables then, if we just think about it, these parables are probably Jesus' answer to the Pharisees as to how he ministers to sinners. Right? Just think about it. Because they're not really salvation parables. Let's talk about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the, the prodigal son, the lost son, the lost big brother. There's like four lost things. And, and in each of them, there's sort of a, a similarity. So just like the seed related to salvation issues, these refer to life issues. And probably today, you are going to see something in your spot. No, you, you're going you're to see something and go, whoa, baby, that, that might be me. Okay? And so we're going to break into four groups. And so uh, let's just have, um, if you guys just kind of split in two and one in this corner and one in that corner, you guys split in two, maybe one or two of you go over there, here and here. And I'm going to assign one parable to each of you. And I'm going to um, ask you just these questions. And so discuss these questions in the parable that I give you. And the parables are the lost sheep. That's the first one. Okay, so go ahead and, go ahead and break up now. And then I'm going to give you like 15 minutes to, to answer these questions together. Appoint a leader. And Jeannie, if they get stuck, you can give little hints, but, but don't say too much. Okay, grab, seat, grab, a, grab a, a group seat anywhere. All right. Uh, four, five, three, five. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, so you don't need a leader of this group. This group here is going to be the lost sheep. So open your Bibles to Luke 15 and your, your group one, the lost sheep. Jeannie, you guys are the lost coin. You guys in the back are the prodigal son and you guys are the older brother. And so just look in Luke 15 and look at these, these questions. Start with one. It's not going to take much time. 
Some of them are just real out. You go, well, it's a coin that got, you know, and so do that. When you're done, ask, how might you name this parable in real life? In other words, what does that look like in real life? The lost coin, if I think about someone facing an issue in real life, what would the lost coin look like or feel like? Jesus is talking about four kinds of issues people face. So the lost sheep, what does that look like? Could I give it a name or a title for, for that issue that the, that the sheep is facing? And so do that. So what gets lost? What did it do to get lost? Who is the one who finds it? And why is that kind of person finding the lost one important? You know, why is it a postman not in the parable of the lost sheep, for example? Okay, might be, but... Um, how specifically and in detail did they restore the thing that was lost? In other words, wording is important. Look at what they did and what they said. So the thing got lost. Why was that thing? Why did Jesus use that thing to get lost? What did they do to get lost? Who finds it? And why was it important that it was that kind of a th person who found it? And what did they say and do to restore the person? Okay, how might we interpret the key components in restoration in anybody's life? In other words, if you see somebody with that issue, how might that parable help you to be a really good friend to them? Okay, ready to go. You got 15 minutes, so, so use your one. Okay, well, have you had fun wrestling? That's what parables are for. I, there's probably, we could, we could write a beginning of a great book on this. Um, let's, let's, start, let's just run through the lost sheep. Um, might be one of the more straightforward ones. Um, so who is the sheep? Sheep group, okay. So go ahead and, and uh, just quick read it. 
read here. I'll, I'll just quick read it. Um, what man among you that has a hundred sheep, has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine, go in the, after it, when he's found it, he puts it on his shoulders, he comes home and he has a party. Okay? I like the party part in restoration. That's why I'm in freedom prayer. There's always a party when we're done. It's like perfect. Okay, so um, what gets lost? 25% score already. <laughs> what did it do to get lost? What do we know about sheep? They're stupid. <laughs> Christians, stupid. That's why we're called shepherd and the sheep. Okay, so, so it wandered off. Did it mean to get lost? No. Was it trying to get lost? What was it doing? Bah. Bah. You know, it just, okay. So it, it wandered away. Um, who's the one who finds it? Okay, why a shepherd? This is really not a trick question. <laughs> it's responsible like, for maintaining the herd. Yeah, responsible for, probably knows where sheep go. Okay, what exactly did the shepherd do to, to restore the sheep? Just walk us through the steps there, or what, whatever you guys discussed. What did he do first? Okay, recognize a problem. That's great. We need to add that to our freedom prayer thing. He recognized. Okay, keep going. Uh, he would have um, made a decision to perhaps put the 99 somewhat at, at risk in order to <coughs> okay. find the lost sheep. Okay, and then what does he do? So he, he, he searches. searches until. until he finds it. So he searches till he finds it, right? So maybe it took him a week, maybe it took him a day, maybe, but. He searched diligently until he figured out what the sheep, where the sheep was, why it didn't come back. You know, there's all those pictures of the sheep in thorns and maybe a little wolf ear sticking out of a bush over, you know, something like that. That's a picture. Okay, so he searches till he finds it. Then what does he do? Then he, uh, he really doesn't give the sheep an option. He picks him up and brings him back. Puts him on his shoulders and brings him back and has a party... And what is the party celebrating? I think just the, the finding. The, the finding. It's not celebrating the sheep. It's celebrating the finding of the sheep, right? Which is important as we're restoring people because we tend to, to put a lot of, oh, you know, you, you, you. It's, it's about what has happened to you because that's the thing we want them to remember. This is what happened to you. Okay, so what... What might you name the sheep's issue in real life? Besides stupidity. I mean, what, what might you... What, what, what happened to the sheep? Aimlessly wandering. Wandering. And couldn't find his way back. Like something kept the sheep. At some point the sheep went, I need to get back and I can't get back. I didn't mean to get stuck. I didn't mean to get lost, I didn't mean to get in a dangerous position, but I am in that dangerous position, right? So that's a picture of Christians who, who do dumb things, they didn't mean to, and now they're stuck. They're, they're not sure how to get on, and we always call it untangled. And so a name that we've given it is entanglement. You get, you get in a bad group of kids, 
you get in a bad fraternity, you do a bad business decision, you get in a stupid relationship you have no business being in. It, it's curiosity Yeah. What, what was that? It's curiosity of real life. Yes, yeah, yeah. Curiosity without maturity, you know, without mature judgment. And so it's entanglement. So the shepherd, why a shepherd? Because a shepherd knows sheep. So if you run into someone who's like a lost sheep, you ask yourself, I need to understand them where they are, what they're doing, how they got into this mess. I don't just rush in and I need to be like the good shepherd, right? He searches till he finds it. So patience. We've been in prayer sessions with people who are entangled for three hours. And you just go, that too. Okay, but we need another chalkboard. You know, it's just like, but, but off you go. So he finds it, puts it on his shoulders. What is that? mean when we look at what Jesus has done for us he did what he bore our sins and our sorrows so we can give to Jesus in the ministry time we can say Jesus would it be okay if I just gave you the sorrow of this the stupid the stupid feeling I have the everything right because he bore it he picked him up. He bore the sheep on, and, and took him back. The sheep didn't have to find his way back. The shepherd took him back. What, what kind of perspective would the sheep have that's different if he's on the, the shoulders of the shepherd versus down on the ground? Yeah, way better perspective. So with people who are entangled, it's important that they see a new perspective on what they got into see it from God's eyes, right? Okay, we gotta move on. So is that good? So Jesus is talking about, this is one kind of people I deal with, people who get entangled, this is what I do. I am the good shepherd, right? And you go, oh, that means a whole lot more to me now. Because when I run into young people who get, young people get entangled all the time, and when you understand these steps, and you say, Jesus, will you help? it goes really well. Because you're sitting there talking to the person and you sense Jesus is right there. I mean, it's just, I'll never leave you or forsake you, especially now, right? Because I'm talking to my teenage son. Okay, yeah, right. Okay, so let's go to the lost coin. Is that you guys? Okay, go ahead and tell us the story. Oh, I already gave the answer. What thing gets lost? Coin, right? What did the coin do to get lost? It's an inanimate object, right? It, it is, it is guilt-free. The coin did nothing to get lost. Who is the one who finds it? Well, let's, let's, let's think about a coin for just a minute. Um, so the coin, well, no, let's finish. Who's the one who finds it? A woman, right? Um, how did they find it and restore it? What did they do specifically? She lit the lamp and they lamp, swept the house, searched until she found the coin. Then what did she do? She Right, and she brought it back to the other nine, right? Okay, so what, what is that in real life? So, so you have something that has, bears no blame 
for the dark, dirty situation they're in, but they're in a dark, dirty, lost, lonely situation. But they ne bear no blame for that. So what does that look like in real life? Some of you are going, my childhood, <laughs> or something like that. But what, what name could we give that issue? Wounding. Wounding. Yeah, perfect. It, it's, it's, this person is wounded. They're hurt. They're, they're, they're emotionally wounded. They're, they feel abandonment. They're, all those kinds of childhood issues, abuse, abandonment, whatever it might be. What do we know about a coin other than it's inanimate? If you, if you look at it, what do you see? What's that? You see the value. The other thing you know is that it has, it has stamped on value, but it's made out of precious metal. It has intrinsic value. So, stop it. so what's important to know is that, for these people to know, is that they have intrinsic value. Not for anything they've done. They're like the coin. What else? You turn it over, and what's on the other side of the coin? Abe Lincoln, right, or the image of the king. They have intrinsic value. They're stamped with the image of the king. And they're lost. And it's not their fault. So what does a woman do? She shines the light. She sweeps the house. What does that look like if you're ministering or wanting to help someone who's wounded? What does shine a light, sweep the house, search till you find it look like in real life for us? What does shine a light look like? That's Jesus. Yeah? Shine a light with Jesus. And he takes all the, the stuff away and his life. Right. So they could give that to Jesus. So he's, I'm the light of the world. What does the light also do for the one who's wounded? What is, it, it, it illuminates. It, they understand. Shining a light means, oh. Because with people who are wounded, what happened to them is bad, but what they believe about what happened to them is worse, right? Because what they believe is, I'm stupid, I'm rejected, I'm worthless, I blah, 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 blah. And when you shine the light and, and Jesus, Jesus, what's true, they go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm worth shining a light, sweeping a house and, and searching to, oh, wow, I'm worth that. Jesus says, I'm worth it. And then she has what? She brings it back to the other and they, they celebrate. They have a party, right? So, so now we have entanglement and wounding. So now let's go on to the prodigal son. So who's, who's got the prodigal? You guys? Okay. So what things get lost? Okay, so that's the, the prodigal son does. What did they do to, to get lost, to, to get in, in a bad situation? What's that? They made stupid, bad decisions. And when he was there, what did he do? More stupid, bad decisions, right? Sinful decisions, prostitution, debauchery, you know, whatever it was. It's just, you know, name the cell. I erased the seven deadly sins. But probably most of them on that list would have been what he did. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what's the next thing that happens when he heads back? What do you see what happens then? Right. So he came back with a story. I'll pay it back. I'll work. And the father, does the father 
say, okay, yeah, you can, I'll pay you. No, the father goes, right? Just, no, you know, nice try. You will never earn your way back, right? So what was the father doing while the son was lost? It says he saw him a long way off. So he was looking, he was watching for him, okay? So a sinner, the father obviously represents God, <coughs> sees him coming a long way off, doesn't accuse him of his sin, doesn't say, well, you deserve, there's no penance, the Catholics are wrong, so I was raised a Catholic, but five our fathers and ten him Marys isn't going to change anything. I still feel guilty, and the father doesn't, because the sin did the teaching, Right? You try to get people to repent of a sin they still enjoy, it's hard. And you just say, come back when it's, when it's, you know what it actually is. And then they're ready. And if they're not ready, they'll fake it on your behalf, but they won't make it. It's kind of like in, in 12 steps. It's like, if you, don't, if you don't get the first step, wait till you get the first step. And, and this, is, this is like that. Okay, so the father, so what does the father do specifically with that son? What does he do, give him or say to him? Or? He gives him a robe. A robe. Sandals. What's the third thing? What else does he give him? Go check. A ring. A robe, a ring, and sandals. So what do those three things represent in that culture? Position. What's that? Position. Position. A robe, your sin is covered. We are covered with what? The robe of? righteousness right your sin is covered a ring is family it's a family ring you are you're not second class you're not having to sit in the back row you're you're back in family again and what is sandals sandals is you got a job I'm giving you sandals so you can do your job, so you can walk around, so you can, because slaves didn't have sandals. Sons had sandals so that they could move quickly around the farm and, and do what needed to be done and not be pulling thorns out of their feet. So the father's restoration is, I'm restoring your identity. I'm restoring your relationship. And I'm restoring your calling and your purpose. Full restoration full nothing nothing no carryover nothing the goodness of god for sinners is like whoa absolute full restoration without second guessing that way the son is so overwhelmed with the goodness of the father that every part in him wants to please and obey if he had to pay it back he would have never been restored because it would still be hanging here and that's the goodness of God. Okay, so that so that's the see see how deep the parables go. It's like so when you encounter someone who's got a sin issue, we want to we 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 want to either say well you need to pay you know but and and sometimes if you stole you need to make reparations. I'm not saying that, or we want to say that's okay. Neither one is right. It's not okay. It was so not okay that Jesus died so that this sin could be dealt with. That's how not okay it is. But you are okay 
What you did is not okay, but you are okay. Your sin is not your identity. Your identity is a son of God with a calling whose sin has been covered. That's your identity, and it will never not be your identity. Right? Seven times 70, we're supposed to forgive. How much does God forgive us? So now we've got uh, the lost sheep entanglement. We have the lost coin wounding. We have the lost son sin. So let's go on to the last one, the older brother. What do we got there? So this one, it didn't explicitly say something was lost, but we inferred it to be the older son was lost. Um, he, he became more alienated. So because of envy against the younger brother, right. he refused to participate in the celebration. And so yep. he alone was outside. So he's outside. Yep. So, so what does the older brother say to the father when the father comes out to him? He says, "Just go. Just just quote it. Quote what he says exactly to the father. I have worked like a." Yeah. I have. Let's see. All these years I've been slaving for you. Slaving for you. To obey you. Keep going. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Right. Never given me anything. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you fill the fat and cap for him. For him, and you're with him. You're in the house having a party, and I'm out here. So he's angry about generosity. Uh, Well, he's, he's angry about, I work like a slave. So he's angry about the relationship. He's angry about the generosity of the father, and he's angry about the favoritism of the father. So the father comes out, and what does he say to him? My son. Okay, stop right there. He says, my son. What does that address that the kid said? I've worked like a slave. So he says, my son, not a slave. Okay, what's the next thing he said? You're always with, You're always with me. What does that deal with that the older brother's issue was? Right, proximity intimacy you've always been with me he addressed problem number two what's the third thing he says generosity do you see how the parable works the three issues were um, uh, proximity I'm not close to you identity I'm a slave and generosity proximity identity generosity those are the three issues we have with Father God often and because if you're the older brother, you're the one who's always done the right thing. You were the good kid in the family. You didn't run off like your stupid brother. You know, you, you, you just, and yet you feel an alienation. Now, the first three parables were Jesus talking about the people he ministered to. The last one didn't even get its own parable, and it's not resolved. The Pharisees knew he was talking about them. They knew. I mean, they were like nailed because that's us. And he was saying to them, you, you are invited, you, the Pharisees, are invited in with the Father to preside over the kingdom of God and celebrate the lost, and you won't come because you think I'm not generous, I'm not near, 
and you're a slave. That's what you think about God. And none of those things are true. And then you just, you can imagine Jesus just went, how you doing? Because <laughs> the Pharisees were nailed. They knew what he had just done. He had just explained the three kinds of issues that all of us will encounter in life and how to minister. And then he said, the last issue, what was their issue? How would you name their issue? So, so we had, the, we had the, the lost coin, which is wounding. We had the lost sheep, which is entanglement. We had the prodigal son, which was sin. What was the issue of the older brother? Pride? Jealousy. Yeah, pride, jealousy. The, those were all. What, what, did, what did he think about the father and about the situation? Yeah, ev everything about it was wrong. Proximity, generosity, relationship, all of it's wrong. And he believed all those things were true, but none of them were true. But he believed all of that was so and lived his life as a slave in the field, being a good guy with no relationship with the father because of his ungodly beliefs about the father. Right. And I'll throw how my friends in. Yeah, apparently, uh, it, you know, he, he never tested the father's goodness. Yeah, he never, I mean, that's a real good, add that one to our thing. He, he never, he never said, Father, <coughs> would it be okay if I had a party? And he would have, the father said, yes, I'll throw it for you. I, I was hoping, well, let's do it. You see, and then he would have gone, whoa. See, and we as Christians, if we have that attitude about the Father, if I, close your eyes once, and, and I'm going to try something real quick. Okay, ready? Everybody's eyes closed? Okay. God the Father. Okay, open them. What's the first thought or picture you get when I said that? I saw him sitting on his throne. Sitting on the throne. Where were you in the picture? Um, looking at him, I guess. Yeah, down below somewhere? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? The most, the most common, and I don't have any more time left, the most common picture with that question is Abraham Lincoln, sitting stern, stern face, stony, and you're somewhere down there, down below. What do you think the picture the father of the prodigal son wanted, of, of the older brother, wanted him to have of himself? Yeah, next to him, at the party, with him, working with him, being generous, being close, all of those things. And yet that wasn't his picture. What do you think the picture God the Father wants us to have of him, but we tend to have the big guy on the throne? Whoa. Because Yeah, like a shepherd carrying a sheep. Or the Holy Spirit cries out one thing inside of us. Do you remember what that one thing is? Abba, Daddy. The one thing the Father wants us to know is I'm Pops. You can come boldly into the throne room to find grace and help in time of need without knocking. Imagine yourself going into the office of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, his boss, the Pope's boss, you know, and you don't have to knock. You don't need an appointment. He knows everything about you and loves you intensely. He comes to you from your destiny, never your history. How amazing would that be? Like, whoa, 
that's a God I could fall in love with. And that was the point of his parable to the Pharisees is you could fall in love with the Father, but you won't. Okay, so we just came up with interpretations of a parable of Jesus. There's no interpretation of scripture. We came up with that this morning. And look at it yourself and just see how it feels in life. One of those kind of four issues might be your issue. Ask God if the things that he did in that parable he can do with you and see what happens. Crazy good. If you get stuck, talk to Jeannie about a freedom prayer session and we'll do it with you. So thank you, Lord. Amen. That's a good lesson. Thanks.